0: Yo everyone. On today's episode of the podcast, I interview my fellow student and friend, Julia Duretti. Julia is currently an intern at the AJ Drexel Autism Institute here in Philadelphia and is in her 3rd year studying psychology at Drexel. Julia, it's great having you today. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. Just got out of work. <laughs> That's cool. Tired. But like, but like totally fine.
0: <laughs> All right, sounds good. Yeah. So as I mentioned, you're an intern at the AJ Drexel Autism Institute, but mm-hmm. technically you're a Drexel co-op. Right. So what is the difference between a regular internship and Drexel's co-op program?
1: So an internship, I feel like, is part-time and unpaid, and I am working full-time and I am paid. It is basically like just jumping into a regular job for six months and just getting to be in the field that you're studying in a job that you could possibly see yourself in in the future. So it's a really great experience. And it's part of why I came to Drexel for sure.
0: Yeah, totally. And I feel like a lot of companies out there love having Drexel interns. Yeah. on their team.
1: It's a great learning experience. And I mean, it allows the company to just figure out like how younger employees might act in the workplace and how to incorporate that in a really cool way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, why did you choose this specific role for your co-op experience?
1: At the Autism Institute?
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I co opted there for my first co-op my sophomore year, and I was a research assistant. Um, and, you know, like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what the research was. I have a large focus in autism as just, like, what my interest is. Um so I did that for my first co-op. So then for my second one, I, I already felt like I hit the jackpot getting a job at the Autism Institute. And now I wanted to look for an experience where I could actually get to work with children instead of just being on the, like, behind a computer on the research side. And I talked to them, and they said I could be one of their behavior therapists. Um. Which was insane. I just I had to go through training for ESDM therapy, uh, which is the it's a autism specific therapy for kids aged um, twelve months to forty eight months, and I just had to go through that specific training. And it was a semi long process, but then I was good to go. And I've been um, working on independent cases ever since. So honestly, this experience is just exactly what I wanted. And I'm so lucky that I got to work it out with the Institute. Did that answer the question? I feel like I kind of went off on a tangent.
0: Yeah, that was a really good answer. <laughs> okay. Really put things out there.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really happy that I was able to find something that allowed me to work with children and get paid. Cause a lot of psychology co-ops, are unpaid because it's like nonprofits and such, um, and I think because it's through Drexel, they um, had the funding. also I'm on like the studies that are at the institute are really high profile, so they have like these huge grants, and not a lot of studies get the kind of grants that this study does have, but um, early intervention for autism is a field lacking research, so. It's really good that I'm part of one of the biggest studies.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned that autism research is your interest. What ex- what inspired you to be interested in this?
1: Um it's kind of a funny answer. I just cuz I just feel like I've always been steered in this direction or I've just always gravitated towards working with other people with special needs and like even in grade school, like when I was like 10 years old, I would like be on the playground and realize that like the kids with special needs were like separated and like there were adults with them. And I was just always like, like what's going on? Like, I just, I just want to know. Um, and I like did go over and I just like hang out with them. And I realized that something was different, but like they were all so kind and, I ended up just befriending people on the spectrum. And then as I got older, I realized there were programs and I realized more what autism was. Um, So in high school, I think was the first program I was able to join. Freshman year, I joined Best Buddies, which is a pretty um, well-known autism-related or just special needs in general program where you get paired with one student your age with autism and you are just a friend because you know socializing can be a hard aspect so it was required as a buddy that you hang out with your buddy twice a month and then go to one big best buddies event that the group would throw and it was always like super fun like we would go bowling or go apple picking or um, have like a Super Bowl watch party. It was always like something really big that you wouldn't just do unless somebody coordinated it. You know, it ha- it was always like a really fun activity. And it became just like a little family. And my first year, I, I don't, I wasn't a, I wasn't a buddy to someone. I just was part of the club. So I would just go to the big group event. Um, and then I was like, like, this is fun, but like, I want to do more. So I ended up getting matched with a buddy, and he became a good friend of mine. So that was a really cool experience, but, like, I didn't stop there because, I mean, I liked working with my peers, but, like, you know, they were just, like, my friends, and I wanted to do something that could make more of an impact, per se. So my high school also had this club called Building Bridges, and that's where you go to one of my Towns three elementary schools for an hour once a week after school and you would be matched you'd be matched up prior to a kid at the elementary school who didn't have to be on the spectrum they could just have behavioral issues maybe just due to like trouble at home or something but it's just a kid in need of a mentor or just like a figure to look up to that's just like meant for them So I got involved in that club and I actually became the president um, the year after I joined because I just wanted the I just wanted to, like, fine tune how it went and, like, get kids the mentors faster and have, like, surveys that, like, match you to a kid. So, like, maybe maybe it's like if they like gym as their favorite special, like you pair them with a kid who's like on the basketball team. So it's just like, so both, ki- both people are happy in their pairing. So I, I know I paired myself with somebody who would have art in their final period and who was um, pretty low on the spectrum, as in like their abilities were, are pretty high on the spectrum. So their abilities were very low because I knew I could work with that and maybe someone else, it would be a, a bit harder to but I was already like exposing myself to stuff like that. So I joined building bridges and became the president and fine tuned the club. And I did that for the next three years and it was just a really awesome experience. Um, so then I go to college and looking for colleges. I, you, you think about what your career is going to be when you go to college. And I took AP psych my senior year and I was like, this is it. Like, nothing's ever been more interesting. I love knowing how people work, how children work, specifically children. So I knew it was kids for sure. And then the special needs aspect was always in my interest r- realm of what I'm interested in. So when I researched schools, I wanted to go to a school that would have the option to minor in special education Um or just have like autism related courses or something. I just like wanted something. And that honestly narrowed my search a lot. There's a shocking amount of schools that just don't have that many autism resources. And that's probably not something that a lot of neurotypical people consider. But obviously since I wanted to immerse myself in that community, I ended up thinking Drexel was a perfect fit. And I wanted to be in a city, so this really was, like, the only school that, like, fit everything I wanted. So I came to Drexel and then immediately signed up for DASP, which is a peer mentorship program um, for another student who has autism. And I joined that immediately, and then my first co-op is what caused me to find the Autism Institute um, they do have part time research assistants, but it wasn't even on my radar to join a research study or anything. And there were like a bunch of different um, studies going on at Drexel and different labs. Like there's one for criminal psych and there's one for eating disorders. Um, so I didn't even think about it. But through my co-op search sophomore year, I found the Autism Institute and I'd co-op there. Then I worked there part-time as a research assistant, and now I'm currently doing my second co-op there as a behavioral therapist. So I've really, I've really just done a lot relating to autism, so I, I just know I like it, and I know that's what I'm probably going to end up doing with my future, although like the specific career, I'm not sure, because I love what I'm doing. It's, just, it's not a sustainable lifetime career because it doesn't pay much, but I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating. <laughs>
1: long, long explanation.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've been doing that your entire life, like working in this field.
1: Yeah, it's weird how just sometimes you just get lucky with having a big interest.
0: Yeah, and that's cool too. Like The reason why I came to Drexel is because of the Institute being on the spectrum myself. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: Philadelphia is actually known as one of the best cities in America for
1: kids on the spectrum. Right. And so it's just, it's cool that like, I ended up here on purpose and it's the same search that goes through the minds of a lot of kids with, or, you know, teens, with autism as well. Um, which is just really cool. I'm just, I'm so happy I'm here.
0: Yeah. You're in a great place.
1: Yeah. You too.
0: Thank you. Now, do you have any recommendations for people also looking to work in this field?
1: Um, so it depends on like in terms of, just learning more about autism or like wanting to be a behavioral therapist for kids with autism? Like how?
0: I would say learning more about autism.
1: Just learning more. Um, I mean, Drexel has multiple clubs and I know I'm not answering just for Drexel, but since we are Drexel students, I know Drexel has two clubs, the NeuroDragons and DASP. And NeuroDragons is more of like a best buddies sort of club where you just get to be friends with everyone in the club and you do fun activities and like probably like a majority of the people in the club are on the spectrum, but there are also students who are just neurotypicals who are interested and don't see anyone on the spectrum as like something that should be separate and they want to get involved. Right. So joining a club that facilitates friendships such as that, it's like a good way to find your like little niche because I mean, like most students in college with autism, you wouldn't guess it. They like, they're, they're fully functioning adults at this point. Um, So finding resources that maybe someone with autism is also finding is how you can get involved. And like the DAS program, like I said, it has like a little training process and you could be a mentor if you think you want to go a step further than friendship. Um, and then if you just generally want to know more about autism, it's not hard to look up. Like, there is a lot of research on it nowadays, and it's, like, increased exponentially. Like, in recent years, just awareness for autism continues increasing, which is really amazing that we're part of that movement. Um But I mean, and obviously, if you're at Drexel's campus, you could be a part time research assistant at the institute. They want our raise. But, yeah, um, I don't think it's hard to get involved. I feel like if you're a college student, there's probably a resource at your college. Hopefully there is. If there's not, if you could be the force that starts, you know, a club, that would be amazing. But, you know, obviously, that's a big step. But I, I feel like anyone interested could find a way.
0: Yeah, for sure. You gave a lot of great tips and advice right there.
1: Yeah. I'd like,
0: say, like, yeah, definitely joining a club. Mm-hmm. Something could help a lot because sometimes it's hard to, like, kind of notice or seek out resources in other ways. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you would change about your co op experience or maybe things you might be looking to do going forward?
1: Um,. I mean my first co-op, I wouldn't change it per se. Although I like I figured out by doing that co-op, I don't want a desk job. I want to be hands-on. It like I was like so close to doing what I wanted to do but not quite there yet. It was more like I was reading about other people doing it or like putting in the data that other people handed me from being involved. And I like it it was a good experience in that it, it got me a step closer to figuring out what I want. Um, so I guess I wouldn't change it. But halfway through, I definitely felt like I, like, mastered what I had to do. And I, I'm not that interested in, like, conducting research of my own. I more, like, just want to be on the hands-on side, not the research side. So I couldn't um, really push myself further in my first co-op to do anything because I, I just didn't – I mean, I didn't want to. So I kind of hit like a plateau of what I was doing and it was perfectly manageable. Like I just, you know, went through the co-op. And then this co-op, I mean, I wouldn't change anything. It's been such an amazing, amazing experience. Like the training process that I went through at the beginning, I was given so much attention by my other coworkers into making my training successful It was, like, literally shocking they had so much time to help me become a behavior therapist and how important it was that I was, like, up to par before I even started working with a kid. Um, So that was completely amazing. And I feel like if you went somewhere else, maybe you wouldn't have the same experience. I think because it's part of a research study, um, they have to be a little stricter because if you – you you have, like, all these grants. It's written exactly how it should go, right? And if you have a therapist that's not doing their best job delivering the therapy, then you're not measuring properly how much early intervention could help a child with autism, right? So they need, like, up-to-snuff therapists. So I liked how much attention I got to becoming a good therapist, and I'm confident in my abilities now. Um, obviously, there are you're working with kids that are part of families that have never worked with um, a therapist before or like other people before to get resources for their children. So, cause these kids are so young, they're between one and four years old. Um, so there's sometimes some family drama or like conflicts that are hard to navigate, but I have supervisors that help me through everything and I really wouldn't change anything. I'm very happy with how the experience has been going. Um, what was the second half of your question?
0: Oh, is there anything you'd want to be doing going forward?
1: Um, I currently have two to three independent cases a day, which means each case is two hours. So that's four to six hours of direct therapy. And then like another two hours probably goes to traveling to these kids' houses. And then I have a couple hours, if any, to input data and take notes and such on how my day went. Um, so I feel very busy and I don't like need anything more from the experience. I feel like I'm already peaking and like, I'm still learning how to handle my own cases. Um, like working with my team leads, my supervisors on like issues that do come up with, um, you know, the children just, they have never been in therapy before. So it's hard getting like them to comply sometimes. And this is obvious. It's stuff we went through in training, but sometimes there are bigger issues um that, you know, I need to get help for. Um But I don't think there's any further step I need to take within my co-op. I think every day is like a learning experience because you go and see this kid and you never know what they're going to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Mm -hmm. It's it's good, like, jumping into, like, a broad field, being able to have separate experiences and being able to narrow down what you like doing in the field versus what you don't
1: like. Mm -hmm. In terms of, like, my long-term career goal, I still don't know what it is, but this is definitely very close to what I want to be doing. Yeah, like, working one-on-one with a kid.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, being at the... A.J. Drexel Autism Institute, you get to work alongside some of the most well-respected people in the field of autism research. Mm-hmm. How's that experience been?
1: It's kind of shocking. Like, I go to meetings sometimes. I mean, back with my last co-op, I had the time to go to meetings a lot more. This time, I'm kind of driving to people's houses constantly and doing therapy and such. But in a meeting during my training, um, I learned that one of my superiors, uh, Giacomo Vivanti, literally co-wrote one of the ESDM manuals. And his name is just like on the cover. He did um, ESDM in group settings. That was his book. I don't know if that's a specific title. I'd probably, like definitely not. But he did, his, his name was on the bottom of the book. And I literally looked up at him and I was like, you are in front of me right now. And I am learning from you, the author of this book, wait, just like, I like couldn't believe it. And I've been working with him for the past two years. And I almost like I knew he was a big deal. But this really put it in perspective. And it's just so strange that I'm with some of like people like some of the people leading the field of autism research right now. Like the study I'm a part of is one of the most high profile studies in autism currently. Um, And so my um, boss of all bosses, Diana Robbins, she is a huge name in the field. Like you see her name, like almost on like every article about early intervention when you're going through, like, journal articles in a database. She's, like, either, like, one of the main writers or, like, a co-writer or, like, she's just at the bottom referenced for all of the work she's done um, because she has done so much, um, which, is, which is just crazy. And the fact that, like, maybe I could reference these people one day, like, as, like, people I've worked with, I feel like that's going to, like, shock people. You know, they're, like, like, like wow, you really got into it like you met the people that like are founding the field of early intervention um so I don't know I'm 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 so lucky that like I knew Drexel had autism services but I didn't realize the degree to how much this college would facilitate like my academic journey into like autism research um it's just so cool
0: yeah, that's truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting that type of experience, being around these people so early. Like, you haven't even graduated college yet. Mm-hmm.
1: And people always say, like, network, 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 because, you know, college is about those relationships you make with, um, like, your professors and such. But, like, I'm literally working with the people not <laughs> in some research, and I'm just kind of like, ah, like, I don't know what to do with all of this power. <laughs> um, and I honestly should pursue a greater relationship with them but the fact that I know them I'm already like wow this is cool
0: yeah and like you mentioned you're like pretty busy in your current role as well yeah
1: I I I don't get to be a part of the institute as much um as like a research assistant I was obviously always there and working with people and helping people um like my other coworkers. but now I'm mostly at people's houses delivering therapy so
0: so I want to ask, how does your major in psychology tie into working at the institute?
1: Um, so like I said, like a lot of psych majors get involved in some psychology lab in their experience in psychology. In fact, like most classes, especially the career focused ones are like, join a lab, join a lab, join a lab. You need, autos- uh, not autos- you need research experience um, because most master's programs look for that and You know, Ph.D. programs are founded on that. Um, So if you're advancing your education past a bachelor's like research experience is the thing that you like need on your resume as a psychology major. So the fact that I'm working in a lab is. It's just like the, the, the direction we're told to go in and the fact that it is exactly in my interest is really great. Um, And now I'm not on the research side, but still, you know, it still kind of applies. Um, And, I mean, I've taken a lot of classes that have become relevant in my, like, training to become a therapist or just learning what all of the studies are about at the Institute. Like, ABA therapy is one of the foundations for ESDM, the therapy I use, and we learned about applied behavioral analysis, in more like several classes. Um, And I took like a developmental psychology class. And that's just like how a typical kid grows up, like, um, physically, mentally. And you know, that's relevant now working with kids. And I don't know, I just feel like there's like a tidbit from a lot of classes. Um, Although, this is obviously more in depth than anything I would have gotten in the class. The amount I know about autism is mostly through experience, not classes. I don't think I've taken a class that's gone in depth into autism in college yet, but I definitely will. Although part of me is like, do I do I need to? Like maybe I should just cause, but I feel like it'd just be an easy A at this point. Um, but yeah. I look forward to taking more classes moving forward. I know Giacomo, one of my like high ups at the institute, teaches a class. Um, and he's literally showed me one of the tests before because I was like, I'm not taking it. And it was just stuff that I know, but like stuff that these kids are learning for the first time. And of course, um, that makes sense, you know.
0: Yeah, like, not all of them have done, like, the co-op that you did.
1: Yeah, no, like, obviously, I'm one of the people that just goes crazy into the in-depth part of it, so, yeah. But maybe I'll take a class.
0: Yeah, does Drexel offer a lot of courses on autism?
1: Um, I know there's, like, a handful. Um, I took, I mean, I think in other majors, too, it's not just psychology. There's stuff relating to special education, I know, I mean, any education major has to take a special education foundations class. And it goes into kind of like what a school um, psychologist does, like at the elementary level and all of the. Just it, I, I took this class for freshman year wanting to know more, but then it ended up being very fact based on like how school systems work and like the laws that have been put in place for special education um which was enlightening but also it's i mean i don't want to be a school teacher and it was little it was a little bit too much focused towards education of course but like i was like making um fake like uh what, what is it called Let me think we were making fake plans for children for like kids on the spectrum. And like, that was cool, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. Um, One thing I did learn in that class was what a ABC data sheet is. And that's something I literally do now in therapy, which is just like antecedent behavior consequence. So like whenever a kid presents with a problem behavior, You look at the antecedent to see, like, what might have triggered it and the consequence to see if you're, like, reinforcing it or, you know, properly, you know, ignoring it so it doesn't occur again or, like, redirecting. So that's something I literally do now, um, which is really funny because it's like we learned about it in a class. But I also, side note, I kind of forgot to mention this. My senior year of high school, I interned with um, the school psychologist at one of my local elementary schools, so that also exposed me to kind of, like, ABC data sheets and, like, these, like, time tracking sheets to measure how often a behavior occurs and all of these different things that I ended up learning in my special education foundation class. Um, So, I mean, as far as I know, education has, you know, special education related classes, in fact, probably multiple, because it's a part, like, any teacher could end up with a kid with special needs in their classroom. And of course they get accommodations, but you still have to know a good amount in order to be their teacher. Um, So education, psychology um, and biology classes. Honestly, I know I'm not going to say the proper name, but I know there is a class for biology students. That's like the, like the neuro part of autism, like looking at the brain and, or just behaviors, it, like, goes way more in-depth, like, into the bio of it. And that's something I definitely want to take. It's part of a um, neuroscience minor, which is why I've looked at it, because I've considered getting a neuroscience minor added to my um, plan of study. But, yeah.
0: What other topics in psychology would you say you find interesting?
1: Um, so... I've obviously made it pretty clear. I have a pretty specific focus of like what I find most interesting. And whenever I get like free reign on a project in one of my classes, I will probably make it about autism or some other neurodevelopmental disorder. Um, So I nothing is boring to me, per se, in psychology. Like, I do like hearing a bunch of different psychologists theories on just how the mind works, um, because people are interesting. Like, I do find people's motivations for why they do things pretty interesting or just like understanding, like why people do what they do. It's it's really interesting to learn about it in a classroom. Because it's stuff that, like, I feel like everyone should have insight on, but it's not that simple. Um, I think the concept of just like talk therapy for people who have like depression, anxiety, etc. cetera, just any, um, issues such as those, those, I mean, so many of my friends I know have some sort of like anxiety problem or depression and I, it's, it's all you know, there's different severities, but learning about that you obviously feel like um you have a better understanding of your peers more than other people do and I feel like a lot of people are not aware of just like the mental issues that some people have to go through um and it makes me feel more aware and of course not to the point where I could ever I would never give advice being like oh I know everything about anxiety like I am the person to tell you why you're feeling this way and how to fix it because like it it doesn't do that much for you. Um, I by no means would ever be like, I can just give therapy to anyone because I've learned about anxiety. Like it's, it doesn't work like that. Um, But I do feel like I can easier, more easily empathize with others and just be more forgiving for why people may do things.
0: Yeah, I feel that like, I feel, I definitely agree with the point you made. Like a lot of people should have knowledge about psychology, because overall mm-hmm. it's just a really good thing to know and understand.
1: Right. Probably
0: one of the most important topics out there.
1: I agree. I think, like, there everyone's required to take, like, Psych 101 as a gen ed, um, and it just, you go through every topic so briefly, it's almost hard to to really learn from that, like, just intro class. But of course, I can't tell everyone to be a psych major. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask you earlier is when you first started working with kids, were you nervous at all?
1: Yes. Um, And I was so excited to get in a room with a kid for the first time. And honestly, like, I was riding this adrenaline high working with him. And I ended up being with a kid who was very receptive to my ideas, like he ended up enjoying all of my play concepts. And I'm saying this very sophisticatedly, but like he, I mean, he was two. (laughs) So he liked that I, you know, stacked my blocks and crashed them and made it like a big scene. You know, I didn't do anything crazy, but I was getting a social response from the kid. And I was like, wow, I'm great at this. Um, And I did do things wrong, according to the therapy. Like I definitely was not doing it properly, but, like, I had a good time. But another aspect of the fact that this is all a research study is everything is filmed. So the fact that there is always a camera on you and that your supervisors are looking at the footage or just actually in the room watching you during the training process, it's like I I felt like I almost had stage fright. And not, like, the paralyzing kind, just, like, um that level of nerves, like the butterflies and just being a little bit anxious to, to, to do what you're gonna do because you have so many eyes on you. Um, so that part of the process was like a little nerve wracking and it took a while to get used to. Um, and obviously for the training process, it's like we had all of these requirements of what we had to be doing for every activity we did with the child so that it was like a learning experience and they were motivated and just everything. Um, So I had like all of these things in my head of like, I need to do this and do this and do this. And I need to target these goals while doing this. And the kid has to be having fun. And I, you know, it's just, there was all of these things that I was trying to do at once early in the training. And that was overwhelming at first. Um, but you know, I got better at it and like the feed, I consistently would meet with my team leads for feedback after like every time I jumped in with the kid, they would tell me, you know, what looked really good, what needed improvement and like on what fronts I had to improve for the one thing I did, let's say mess up on. Um, so that's what I mean about the training process being very in depth. Like I'm grateful for it, but like it definitely was nerve wracking at first And it wasn't so much the fact that I was working with a kid. It was because I knew my performance had to be at a certain level and it wasn't there for, you know, a good amount of time. I think it took me a little bit over a month um, to become qualified to be an independent therapist. And I was, you know, working nine to five every day for that that period of time, and I'd probably see like two two to th- two kids. I'm gonna say two kids a day. Um. So you know, there was like a lot of experience that went into becoming qualified. So that it it was nerve wracking, but um, I definitely got past it. Now jumping in a room with a kid, it's like it's it's like pouring a bowl of cereal. <laughs> like at like it's just natural.
0: Yeah, I feel that like. After daring it a bunch of times, like, mm-hmm. let's get better.
1: Oh, and I, like, God. don't care if someone's watching me because it's like, I know I'm good at this. Like, I, like, I can do it. Yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, these kids, they're so young. There are days where just they didn't sleep enough. So they're just going to cry a lot. And, you know, they're allowed to cry. They're so young. Um, and you just know it's it's something I don't attribute to myself. It's just like we are working around this problem today. This is the best anyone could probably do with the circumstances, you know, and it's not like nerve wracking to have a kid just be upset or be angry at me for making them do something, you know, it's, it just feels normal at this point.
0: Yeah. That's, that's totally understandable. Mm -hmm. Another question I wanted to ask is how would you describe autism to someone who does not understand it?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, I would just give what I know to be the definition. I would say it's a developmental disorder um, and it's characterized by behavioral deficits. So like communication socially is hard um, and communication like with the kids I work with. um, A lot of them don't know to like point when they want something. It's like it's not just verbal communication. It's just knowing how to communicate in general It doesn't come naturally because they have this social deficit. And then there's also the repetitive behavior aspect that characterizes the disorder. And it can look very different for a lot of kids, but like a common repetitive behavior I see is like, um, like spinning, spinning objects and like liking to watch them spin, fall down, wanting to do it again. Um, And it's, it's like stimulating to just watch, like a lot of these like sensory experiences are what are the repetitive behaviors, like maybe rubbing a cloth would be repetitive behavior, or um, echolalia is another thing where they'll repeat a phrase multiple times, like, say I'm like, oh, like, go get the ball, and they'll just be like, ball ball, 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 because there is a certain sensory experience to like repeating the same word. Um, Yeah, so I kind of, I kind of went on a tangent for that definition. But, you know, uh, developmental disorder, behavioral deficit, socially, um, and the repetitive behavior aspect. Um, And if somebody still doesn't understand it, it's currently debated on how much of autism is like something like you're just like born with or how much is due to like environmental influences um and i think there's a lot of research ascribing it to genetics it's i i, I mean i am more on that side and like for in terms of the environmental side it's more like a couple like little things prenate and like when um a child's like still Um, a fetus like I guess could be affecting could be affecting them but like honestly I don't even want to say anything because it's I mean I guess it is a controversy but ultimately a child who has autism it's not something that they just grow out of and like the kids delivering intervention as soon as they are with us it's like because they are getting these services they are in the peak period of learning and they are developing skills they wouldn't have otherwise if they didn't start intervention so early like the outcomes for starting intervention earlier are much greater and you could know someone so you could know someone with autism and not know they have autism per se because they have learned the skills and they had to learn these skills in a more in like a differently than a neurotypical kid can. Cause like someone who's neurotypical just can like, they're like more observant of their social environment. While a kid with autism is probably just more focused on something in front of them. That's like, like a toy, you know, and they want to just, they, they are less inclined to experience everything socially, like a neurotypical kid does. So if you get them in therapy sooner, um, their outcomes long-term will be greater if they learn these skills earlier in life, they can learn more skills even later. And it's just, you know, like a, like an exponential rise. So autism isn't something you just like grow out of, or it's not something that can be cured. It is not, it's, it is a, I don't even know what the like politically correct term to describe it might be. Um, do you know, uh,
0: I'm not sure
1: it's autism spectrum disorder. So I'm going to say disorder, but I don't, I mean, you know, different things have different connotations and, you know, people can define it however they choose, whatever they feel like fits them best. I just want to emphasize that like, it does, it is something that makes someone different, but it's not, it doesn't have to be like a, a downside per se. You know, it doesn't always, like, you can see, like, some really high-functioning people. And it's really amazing. And it's, like, the people who are lower on the spectrum, or the people who are, is it lower? I think lower. Who have less abilities. It's, like, they are still aware of a lot of things and maybe they can't communicate it properly. And I just want them to have the most inclusive process possible for their lives. And just, I just, it's like, there's still people and some people don't treat um, people with autism like they should be treated. And it's, it's like a whole, a whole tangent, but I mean, it's part of why I'm so involved in the field. It's just like some people just think they look, they see the disorder and not the person. You know what I'm saying? As if like, Oh, like this kid, you know, he can barely talk to me. I bet he doesn't, he wouldn't feel hurt if I just insulted him. Right. Or like he doesn't know what I'm saying because he's not talking back to me right now. Right. Um, Cause some, like some of the kids I work with, they're nonverbal, but they understand so much of what I say. Um, and some are starting to learn sign language because Um, that's easier for this phase. And it just goes to show, I don't know. It's just, I just want people to be aware of how much, you know, anywhere on the spectrum that you are, like you are still a person who is, who has feelings, who it's not like you just don't feel because you have a social deficit, you know, it's, it's, I can't properly describe this. Like I'm not that sophisticated with it, but you know, those are my opinions.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I totally feel like, in my experience, it's been like, yeah, I definitely have like some trouble socializing at points, but mm-hmm. I've been like progressively getting better mm-hmm. as time goes on.
1: Yeah. And some people think, you know, like the that someone on the spectrum has no desire to socialize, right? And that's that's just not it. Like maybe some people do want. Way more alone time than the average person, but like There's no reason why they wouldn't want to form a relationship with another and just like have friends and have fun Like it doesn't it does not change that
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah So, uh, julia, it was great having you on the show today. Do you have any final words?
1: Ooh. um No, just thank you for listening Because, I mean, hopefully I said something that taught you something new or piqued your interest in a way that will make you further look into autism and just learn something more, become more aware. Um, Yeah, that's that's my final, final message.
0: All right. Yeah. Thank you for coming on today.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.